Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Now today is a little bit a different day at Crossgate Church. We're going to do things a little differently. We're actually going to do the message earlier in the service, and then we're going to enter into a season of worship after the message. Yes, I know we're throwing you a curveball. I'm sure you can handle it. But as so many of y'all know, myself and uh, my wife, Shara, traveled earlier this week to Asbury University in Kentucky because we wanted to see firsthand what was going on in what many people are now calling the Asbury Revival 2023. If you're not familiar with this, we've got a little news video we're going to show you, and then I'm just going to launch right into sharing with you what it is we saw and we heard and how it matters and why it matters for Crossgate Church. Direct your attention to the screens as we lower the house light. We've got a great good news story to start off. It's been a week since the regular Wednesday chapel at Asbury University in Kentucky. Well, it turned into something far more. It turned into the manifest presence of God. God has been moving among the students and faculty and people are traveling to the university to join in this move of God. Well, one student told CBN News he prays this revival when, will encourage churches and pastors and stir up a hunger for the Lord. Wendy Griffith brings us the story from Wilmore, Kentucky. The revival here at Asbury is now in its sixth night as hundreds of people have come from near and far to just enjoy the presence of God. Even though it's almost midnight, this auditorium is still packed with people that are still coming in. estimated well over 3,000 people that are here and at these different locations uh, to worship the Lord. Were you prepared for this? No, there is no, there's no playbook for this. We're still trying to create some space for what's happening here. And so that's a delicate balance and we're trying to manage that as thoughtfully and faithfully as we can and just steward what's happening on campus. at first just because growing up with my church we never had anything like this and so I just wasn't used to the idea of a revival um, but the longer it's gone on I've realized that if God wants it to happen it's gonna happen my prayer is that this will encourage churches encourage pastors encourage disbelievers um, and just stir up a hunger for the Lord because again it's not it's not about Asbury it's about Jesus the fire that started here at Asbury is reportedly spreading as students from nearly two dozen other college campuses have come here to take part in the services. And what God started here a week ago is showing no signs of stopping. Wow. Well, that kind of gives you the backstory of what we're going to talk about this morning together. Now, let me ask you a question. When you hear the word revival, what comes to mind? For some here, you may remember a day when churches would schedule revival. And in January, they'd say, hey, let's put revival on the calendar for the second week in October. 
and we're going to bring a guest preacher in for four or five nights, and he's going to fire us up for Jesus, and hopefully we'll see some people saved, and uh, uh, you know, we're going to get just, just refreshed in our, in our walk with Jesus, and we're going to schedule that on the calendar. Many of you will remember of those days when churches did that on a regular basis. Nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, some people will, will think about revival in terms of a, a desire for a general spiritual awakening at the local level, but hopefully at the national level. And we still hear people today saying, America needs revival. Oh, Lord, revive our nation. You know, and and, and we, we, we pray for this general breakout across the nation uh, for this spiritual renewal that might or might not happen. Uh, most of the time when people hear the word revival, that's what they're thinking about. But in truth, in, in the Bible, revival takes place when two things happen. One, when God's people get exceptionally desperate for God. They're not seeking anything other than God. They're not seeking results socially or economically or morally on our nation. That They're not seeking a specific date on the calendar. They're just desperate for God. And then what happens is they break out of the spiritual status quo. You know, the spiritual status quo, we've all been there. We're just going through the motions, just, just checking the boxes spiritually, and somehow we break out and, and launch upward into a new, deeper reality uh, with, with Jesus. That's, that's, what, that's what revival is at, at its base. Uh, think about one of the classic verses on revival in the Bible, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Listen to this. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. That's a classic. Break up the fallow ground. Break up that spiritual status quo. It is time to diligently, desperately, earnestly seek God. That is the precursor to revival. So as I shared with you earlier, uh, Shara and I made a trip to Wilmore, Kentucky uh, earlier this week. We left super early on Monday morning and got back super late Tuesday night. We wanted to see for ourselves what this was all about. I'll be honest, we walked in as spectators, but we quickly became participants. And so I want to share with you this morning just some of the things that took place along two lines. First of all, I'm going to give you some play-by-play. -play. Just, just This is what we saw. This is what we heard. Uh, by the numbers, this is how it happened. Then I'm going to give you some color commentary on the so what of, of the Asbury revival for you and for me and for Crossgate Church. I mean, what's the so what, Pastor Phil? Well, we're going to talk about that. All right, so first of all, let's just get into some play-by-play. Some -play. Asbury University as some of you know, is a non-denominational Christian university. There's also a seminary there on the campus. It has Wesleyan holiness roots. All right, and you say, what in the world is Wesleyan holiness? Okay, basically, in a nutshell, what that means is they're not Pentecostal, they're not charismatic, but they're also not afraid of the Holy Spirit either. Right? They don't mind making much of the, of the dear Holy Spirit of God, and they, they firmly believe, and when I say they firmly believe, they firmly believe in the power of prayer. They truly believe that, that things happen when we pray that, desperately for God that would not happen if we did not pray. All right, that's just that's some of the groundwork you've got to understand about that particular school and that particular campus. Because over the years, since the early 1900s, there's actually been a number of these types of revivals that have taken place. But before this past two weeks, the most famous one was probably the one that took place in 1970. February of 1970, 53 years ago, a spontaneous revival broke out 
very, very similar to what's taking place uh, now. Uh, it, it launched on, uh, I believe it was uh, fe Tuesday, February 3rd of 1970. Uh, the students gathered for chapel at 10 a.m., and literally the chapel service just kept going for 10 days straight around the clock. Singing, basic worship, reading of the Bible, prayer, public confession of sin, all the fundamentals that you would expect to see in a, in, in a movement of God in that kind of situation. Now, how I got connected with Asbury was that when I was in seminary down in New Orleans a little over 20 years ago, I watched a documentary on that 1970 revival, which was an amazing movement of God at Asbury. And, uh, and I thought it was amazing. Well, here's the cool thing. Two to three weeks later, after I saw that documentary, Shara, who was actually my fiance at the time, uh, we were in, in our hometown of Lake Wells, Florida, and lo and behold, in a restaurant, randomly, we run into a man named Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. And Dennis Kinlaw was the president of Asbury University, Asbury College, during that revival in the 1970s. And so I said, I think I just saw you on a documentary. He said, you probably did. And we started talking about it. And th that dear man spent probably 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes with us, just telling us some of the details of what took place. It was, it was fascinating. Now, let's fast forward to a couple weeks ago, all right? On the 8th of February of this month at Asbury University, the college students were having chapel at 10 a.m. And just like it happened back in 1970, that chapel service never ended. It's still going on as of 9.48 Central Time on today. I mean, it is still going on. Hundreds of hours later, that chapel service is growing and growing and growing. Uh, the, the auditorium seats about 1,500 people, and as you could see in those videos, was absolutely packed. I saw drone footage last night. Of, of yesterday, the line going out of the chapel of people just waiting, just to hope to get into that chapel, stretched at least a half mile down the street, four abreast. People are desperate to get in and to see what's going on and to experience the, the profound presence of God. Now, Shara and I uh, saw this happening by Thursday night of, on the 9th of February, I saw what was happening on social media, and I said, praise God, he's doing it again. And I began to watch it and just see it grow and, and develop and, and all of this. And, and probably about 10 o'clock on Saturday night, uh, a week ago Saturday night, uh, I, I told Shara, I said, baby, this may sound crazy, but let's jump in the car early Monday morning and let's just go and let's go and see this. And she said, okay. So that's exactly what we did. We left about 4 o'clock on Monday morning, drove about 10 or 11 hours to, uh, to Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, we got something to eat, got into a hotel room real quick, and then we went over to the campus. And this is what happened. First of all, I, I didn't know what to expect, okay? We, we walked up to Hughes Memorial Auditorium, which is where they have their chapel services. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect walking in there because I've heard people say in times like these, you walk in and you just immediately are blown away by the presence of God. Uh, and I will be honest, I've never been in a setting like that before. In, in 33 years of, of being a Jesus-following, born-again believer, I've never been in a setting like that before. So I didn't know what to expect. So about 5.15 p.m., we walk into Hughes Auditorium. I will tell you, I was not immediately blown away by this, this just profound presence of God. But I'll tell you, I noticed something was different. This was not just a typical church service gathering. Uh, on, the, on the platform, there was a very simple worship team, and I mean simple. It was all college students. One was playing a piano, one was strumming on an uh, acoustic guitar, and there were probably two more vocalists 
just kind of singing, nothing, nothing spectacular, nothing fancy, nothing extraordinary, uh, not, not high energy at all, just, just singing, right? And then I looked across the place, the 1,500 seats, probably about 70% were filled, okay? Not, not packed out at that time, 515. Some people were standing with their hands lifted, praising God, singing. Some people were seated just in prayer or reading their Bible. Uh, some people were down at the, you saw the, the pictures there, the video, they have a, they have a, a wonderful prayer bench, all, just like we do here at Crossgate Church, all along the front platform, and some people were down there praying in that posture of humility and worshiping. Uh, there were a few guys who were just spread out on the ground, completely flat, spread out on the ground with their face down, just getting as low as they possibly could before the Lord. Nothing out of, out of sorts, nothing that I would consider chaotic or crazy going on, just people in God's presence. So Sharon and I came in, we went down to about a third of the way from the front, got a couple seats. Again, this is an old auditorium, 100 and probably 30 years old, wooden seats, wooden theater seats, nothing comfortable or, or upholstered about this place, okay, just bare bones. And, and we just, we kind of got our seats, just stood up, and we just started singing. And again, super, super simple in what was going on, okay, and incredibly simple. I would tell you in about 15 to 20 minutes, I, I begin to sense the presence of God in that room like, I, like I'd never sensed it before. And it, was, it wasn't as though we were, we were working ourselves up into some emotional frenzy. We were just singing simple songs. But tears started running down my face. Probably for an hour. I thought I might dehydrate because I'm, I'm crying so much. But that, that's what happened. And it was 80% worship. Every hour, a different worship team would, would swap in and out. All college students. We're not, we're not talking the big-name celebrities. We're not talking the big shots. This was just this was an unbelievably simple gathering. Um, I, I went forward. I, I love prayer benches. You know I do. And I got on that bench for about 30 or 40 minutes and just prayed and, and listened to the worship, and I worshiped. I mean, the, my, my tears were just coming down on that platform, and I could tell other tears had wet those 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 same locations for the last five days. And, and then I went back to my seat, and we continued to worship. By 7 o'clock, that place was absolutely packed. I mean, so packed. Every seat was filled. There was people two to three abreast along the walls. There was people just jammed in there everywhere. The leaders of this, uh, of the, the ministry leaders on campus, who are probably in their, maybe their mid to late 20s, honestly, just some campus, you know, chaplains and so forth, they would come up about every 45 minutes and they would give just basic announcements. Usually it was something like, if you don't have a seat, we need you to leave because the fire marshal is fixing to shut us down, right? And they just, they had to keep coming back and saying that. And so people would walk out and they, they had two different overflow auditoriums on the campus as well as people just gathering on the lawn in front of Hughes Auditorium. Uh, that was at 7 o'clock. We just continued to worship. At 8.30, a young man came out. Again, he was probably maybe in his late 20s. And he gave a 20 to 25-minute sermon from Philippians chapter 3, uh, where, where you look at all of your own personal accomplishments and, and, and you look at all of your resume uh, bullet points and all of the things that you think are so important in life, where, where Paul the Apostle says, I treat that as rubbish, as dung, compared to knowing Jesus. And this young guy got up and he said, he said you know, he said, our goal here is to get as low as we possibly can before Jesus and make much of Jesus. It was just absolutely sincere, authentic. He said, look, if, if, if you're here because you want to uh, you know, post this on social media and you're, and you're more concerned about getting a Facebook Live and all the rest, he said, please leave because, because that, 
that will distract what's going on here. Uh, just that, that's that what was going on. And, and so we continued. There was a time of prayer, a couple different times of prayer, but 80% of the time it was just flat worship, just, just simple worship, one song right after the other, no screens, no, no lyric sheets. I knew probably 90, 95% of the songs that they did, many of which are the ones we do here at Crossgate every week, uh, but just, just simple, simple stuff. It got to be about 10 or, well, 10.30 or 10.45, and, uh, and, and Sharon and I said, you know, we, we probably need to go ahead and head out. So we'd been in there for over five hours of just straight worship. I will tell you, friends, when I walked out of there, I felt like I'd been there for 15 minutes. Seriously, 15 minutes. Except for the fact that my, my, my voice was kind of getting a little hoarse from singing for five hours, uh, I, I literally felt like I was in there for 15 minutes. Here's my assessment of what's going on at Asbury, okay? I didn't see or hear anything that didn't pass the smell test. What's going on there is 100% legitimate, all right? Uh, there, there, was, there was no visions, nobody was just running around, you know, speaking in tongues and all just, I mean, it just, I never saw it go off the rails, all right? And, 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 a, and a huge shout out to the leaders, these leaders who again are, are student leaders and in their 20s probably, they would get up again, make these announcements and they would say, look, we pray that God gives us a spirit of order over this place, order and peaceability with freedom to worship as, as you feel led. Okay, and so again, we had there, all through the time there were people on the prayer bench, there were people standing, there were, people would just come over and lay their hands on you, start praying for you, and just just asking God to bless you in, in whatever way, and, and breaking strongholds and all of this. Uh, you know, there's a lot. We'll talk about the critics in just a minute, but it's I mean, it is 100% legitimate from from what I saw. So we we went back the next morning, Tuesday morning. We were back there at nine o'clock. We were there uh, for about two and a half hours. Again, it probably felt like 10 minutes. Uh, th there, was a, uh, there was a time of public confession uh, where, where people, different people would stand up and just, say, just simply confess a sin. A guy would stand up and say, Jesus, I confess a sin of adultery. And then collectively, the whole place would say, Jesus' blood forgives. And then somebody would stand up here and say, I want to confess being selfish and lying. Jesus' blood forgives. And we, w we did that for probably about 20 minutes. So there was different components, but all of it was 100% legit. And I truly believe that the presence of God uh, was, was in that place. And by the way, it's still going on, as I said. Even now, Asbury, I mean, the, the line to get in that, that Hughes Auditorium is like a half mile long at least. And people just want to get in there. And more and more, thousands of people going to that campus. But there's some other things that God has, has arranged in connection with what's going on at Asbury. Of course, you know, first of all, that several other campuses across the country, Lee University in Tennessee, I believe um, Cedarville up in Ohio, and a few other Christian colleges, uh, Sanford and Birmingham, they are now seeing likewise these spontaneous uh, nonstop revivals taking place in their chapels as well, as people have gone to Asbury, gotten a taste and they said, you know, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We want, we want to bring this back to where we're at as well. But here's a couple of other things. I didn't even know this, but once a year, there is this thing called the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. And the National Collegiate Day of Prayer is a day of prayer, and they select a school every year randomly. I, I say randomly. It's just it's different schools, and they plan it out two or three years in advance and say, okay, two years from now, it'll be at this school. Two years from now, it'll be at this school. Here's what's so cool how God is working. So the National Collegiate Day of Prayer is this Thursday, the 23rd of February, in just a few days. Guess where God decided to have it two years ago to put it on the calendar for this year? 
Asbury University. Hello, how about that? Now that's pretty cool. So, so, so now you're going to have the National Collegiate Day of Prayer at Asbury University this Thursday as this revival is just building and building and building. Here's the other cool thing. There's a movie coming out this Friday called Jesus Revolution. Okay, you might have seen some ads for this. This is all about how the Jesus movement got started. Some of y'all old-timers and, and senior saints will remember the Jesus movement back in the late 60s and early 70s that really began in California with, with the hippies. And, and just these people who were all in for Jesus, they came out of the drug culture and the hippie culture, and they just went all in for Jesus. And this story is a story of a guy named Lonnie Frisbee and Pastor Chuck Smith who partnered together, and that was the catalyst for the Jesus movement. And part of that Jesus movement included the Asbury Revival in 1970. How cool is it that this movie is coming out the same time that the Asbury Revival, and people are now talking all about revival and all about Jesus. Aren't you glad we're done talking about the Grammys, right? I mean, people are talking about revival. People are talking about Jesus. People aren't talking about the NFL and all this. They're talking about Jesus, this is, an, this is an amazing thing. Now, not everybody's happy with this revival. And yes, there are some critics. Some people see this and they say, well, I think it's just all emotionalism. Or, well, you know, and some people, just these theological nitpickers, I'm so sick and tired of these people. They're like, well, it's not really a revival. It's actually technically an awakening. Or, no, it's not an awakening. It's actually a refreshing, but it's not a revival. Come on, dude, get real, man. I mean, I'm so sick and tired of these keyboard critics who probably live in their parents' basements just sending out little, little pot shots at what God is doing. It reminds me so much of the great 20th century preacher Vance Havner who said, people who want to just sharpshoot and criticize these kind of movements reminds him of a bunch of poor people standing around debating the merits of different types of wallets, and they're all broke. They ain't got any money for their wallets. They just want to talk about the wallets. Right? This is distraction. Listen, this is the real deal, friends, and I will tell you uh, that I, I didn't want to leave. Right? I mean, I, we knew we had to get back. We had a long drive to get back, but I just, I didn't want to leave. Not because I want to live on the mountain, but because the presence of God, man, the, the presence of God, you just, you, you, you can't replace it. You can't replace it. Now, that's just the play-by-play, -play, okay? That, that's just, that's kind of what happened, what we saw, what we experienced. Now, let me give you some color commentary. All right, I want to give you four specific things that I think are important for us to understand, not just about what's going on over there, but what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives and our church here. Okay, here's, here's the first takeaway. First takeaway is this. God moves among those willing to pay the price in prayer. God moves most powerfully among those willing to pay the price in prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a student of history and I'm certainly a student of the, the history of revival and, and these revivals and awakenings that have taken place ac across America over the last 250 years, in addition to some that have taken place overseas, uh, the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s and the Shantung Revival in uh, China in the 1920s and even ones, again, that have taken place more recently here in the United States. I will tell you this, the common denominator, certainly one of the biggest common denominators for every single one of those movements of God was that somebody somewhere was willing to pay the price in prayer. It's just that simple. God moves among people who are desperate for him, and they express that desperation in prayer. Manly Beasley Sr., whose son, Manly Beasley Jr., is pastor of Hot Springs Baptist Church. Manly Beasley Sr., and some of y'all remember, Brother Cheryl, you remember Manly Beasley and some of the others, uh, just an amazing man of faith. This is what he said. 
For every great move of God, someone somewhere has paid the price in prayer. Now, that's an amazing thing. Now, the, the facts of the 2023 Asbury revival in terms of what type of prayer preceded this revival, those have yet to fully come out. I know that students have been praying for months on Asbury's campus leading up to this revival, but I can tell you some very specific things that I heard personally from, from President Dennis Kinlaw 20 years ago about what, what very intentionally uh, preceded the revival in 1970. And I want to share these with you because the same kind of things I guarantee were taking place at Asbury over the last few months. So D Dennis Kinlaw told me that in October of 1969, this is three to four months before the revival came to Asbury, six students formed a little group that they called the Great Experiment. And those six students said, hey, we're going to commit ourselves for the next 30 days individually to spend 30 minutes every single morning for the next 30 days in prayer and Bible reading. And every morning we're going to write down one thing that God has told us to do from our scripture reading that morning, and we're going to go out and immediately do it. Immediate obedience, and every single day for the next 30 days, we're going to share our faith at least once with somebody. We're going to share the gospel with someone for the next 30 days. And then once a week during those 30 days, we're going to come back together and just hold one another accountable and talk about what God has been doing in our lives uh, as a part of this great experiment for the, for the last week. So these six, remember there were six students, they did this for 30 days and that took them up to the end of the spring semester. In January, when they all came back onto campus, they made this agreement. Each one of those six was, go was going to go out and find five other people and create six groups of six. So now they're going to do 36 people, six groups of six, with the exact same rhythm. Pray 30 minutes every morning, read your Bible, Go obey, write down what God has called you to obey that morning, do it that day, and share Jesus with someone that day. And we're going to do that. Then get Dennis Kinlaw said that on, on January 31st, the last day of January, they had chapel. And all 36 of those students got up on the platform, and every single one of them shared what God had been doing in their lives through prayer, through, through Bible reading, through immediate obedience, through witnessing, all 36. Dennis Kinlaw said, out of all the years that I was president at Asbury, that was the most impressive chapel service I ever attended, to include any of the revivals. That service where 36 students got up, this great experiment, and shared. Now, again, that was just a few days before the revival started. Meanwhile, there was a young lady who in January decided that she wanted to start some all-night prayer meetings, some late-night prayer meetings in Hughes Auditorium, the same auditorium they're meeting in now, right? This is, again, January of 1970. And so she started gathering some students, and they would go in there at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and sometimes they wouldn't be done praying until 2 o'clock in the morning, just praying for revival, praying that God would show up. And Dennis Kinlaw said after every one of those nightly prayer meetings, they would look at each other when they were done and said, do you think he'll come today? You think he's going to show up today? Is he going to come tomorrow? He might. And there, there, was this, there was this faith, there was this response. Okay, so, so they did that. All these nights, and I want to say in early February, it was either two nights before or the night before the revival started on February 3rd, at 2.30 in the morning, they all stood up. They, they were all gathered around the platform on their knees praying with tears, and they stood up and they said, that's it. God has told us he's coming tomorrow. That's it. And guess what? He did. See? That's, that, that, that's intentional prayer. That, that's the kind of intentionality that gets God's attention. 
God is desperately attracted to desperation in the hearts of his people. And when Manly Beasley said that for every great movement of God, somebody somewhere is willing to pay the price in prayer, I guarantee you those students were willing to pay the price in prayer at Asbury College. And that preceded this, this revival. You know, there's a lot of people that assume that, that these revivals just kind of break out. And they see what's going on at Asbury and they say, man, wouldn't it be great if that happened at our campus? Wow, wouldn't this be great if it happened at our church? Right? Not realizing what goes into that ahead of the revival itself. Right? See, everybody wants to talk about revival until it's time to do revival stuff. Did you know that? Everybody wants to talk about God showing up. Oh, wouldn't it be great if God showed up? Until it's time to put in the work that precedes the movement of God. I'm not saying that God is somehow contingent and beholden to us necessarily, but I will tell you, when God's people get desperate in prayer, that gets God's attention. Now, at Crossgate Church, for the last year or more, we have, we have been very intentional to, to prioritize prayer in time and space. We've created touch points across the week for, for collective prayer. We've created spaces dedicated to prayer during the week. But I'll tell you, one ingredient is missing. Many of you. I'm simply asking you, friends, are you willing to pay the price in prayer? Some of you this week were saying, oh man, I hope this breaks out at Crossgate Campus on Sunday morning. It might. But I will tell you, friends, and I'm telling you this with all the love in my heart, I do not yet believe we are a praying church. I do not believe that. I believe we want to be, but the question is, are we willing to pay the price in prayer? Prayer Partner Network, House of Prayer, other prayer touch points. That's the first takeaway from Asbury. Here's the second one. second one is this. Hunger for God, radical humility, and death to self bring people into God's profound presence. If you were to ask the leaders at Asbury today, man, what, what's the secret sauce, man? We, don't, we can't figure it out. Please tell us what the deep, hidden secret is to see this happen. They'd be like, it's no secret. There's, this is not some secret kind of thing that, that's just totally out of your reach. It's hunger for God. It's, it's, it's radical humility. It's death to self. Time and time again, those leaders would get up and say, we want to get as low as we can get before Jesus. And let me tell you something. Some of the celebrity, celebrity Christian preachers and the celebrity Christian musicians have said, hey, we're willing to come and participate. And you know what the people at Asbury said? Please stay away. We're not interested in celebrity here. This is a nameless revival. It is not grounded around any personality or brand other than Jesus Christ. That's what's making the difference. They told Fox News and Tucker Carlson, stay away. All these other news media outlets, stay away. This is not about fame. This is, this is about Jesus Christ and him magnified. Now, this is one of the ways that I know that, that all of these things lead to a profound experience of God's presence, and that is through the worship that's taking place there, the worship and song. Again, super, super simple, nothing fancy, nothing spectacular, just some college students singing songs and, 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 and pouring themselves into God. And people say, well, how... What, why do you say God's presence is so real there? I mean, isn't God everywhere? Yes. But what does the Bible say? Check this out. Psalm 22, verse 3. Look at this. You are holy, enthroned upon the praises 
of Israel. God sits enthroned, God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, when that Bible verse talks about praises, I don't believe it's talking about people just standing there and mumbling a few words in church. Because what I saw and what my wife saw and what you've seen at least in the videos are people who are all in, body, soul, mind, spirit, worshiping God. They're not necessarily shouting, but I will tell you, they are all in in worship. That's the kind of praise that, where, where God's presence rests upon that praise. Here's another scripture, Matthew 18, verse 20. Look at this, very famous passage. Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. In my name. You know, so often we think of doing something in Jesus' name as we're just tacking on a phrase at the end of a prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. But let me tell you something, friends. When you do something in Jesus' name, you, you're not just tacking the name of Jesus onto whatever you want to do. You, you are embracing his lordship. You are embracing completely saying, God, you are God. Jesus, you are king of kings and lord of yours of my life. I give it all to you. When we are gathered with that type of hunger for God and desperation and, and radical humility before Jesus, his presence rests on that place. Now, here's the difference between Asbury and the average church. I would say at least 90 to 95% of the people who were gathered at Asbury and who are still gathered are of that kind. That, that, that quality of praise, that, 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 that devotion to the lordship of Jesus Christ. But in the average church service in America, what percent of the people gathered do you think are truly worshiping in that way? 10% maybe? There's a difference. There's a huge difference. And it's that hunger for God, that, that, that radical humility, that, that commitment to getting low before God. Yes, in some ways in a posture, but more so with our hearts. That, that's where we experience the profound presence of God. Here's the third one. I love this one. God's presence is timeless. God's presence is timeless. Our, our brief time at Asbury was a confirmation, once again, that God's presence is timeless. I told you, we, Sharon and I were in there for over five hours on Monday night. It seemed like 15 minutes. And if you read the accounts of people coming out of Asbury, videos and, and, and what people have written, they will tell you they all experience the same thing. Why? Isn't it obvious? God himself is timeless. So his presence, therefore, is, is timeless. God, God exists outside of time, ultimately, in, in eternity. God is eternal. His presence is timeless. And so it would make sense. I mean, the Bible even says we're partakers of the divine nature. When, when, when we are in the presence of God, and I mean the profound presence of God, we're going to lose track of time. We're, we're not even going to have a sense of, well, I've got to check my watch. No, no. You're in the presence of God. You look down your watch and said, I can't believe we've been here for 45 minutes. I, I can't even believe we've been here. For, it doesn't even feel like a minute, right? What are the impacts? Well, there's impacts both here and hereafter, both here and in heaven. Uh, for example, here, it's a reminder that you just don't waltz into God's presence, y'all. I mean, you just don't hop, skip, and jump into God. Well, God, I'm here. I'll give you 10 minutes, and then I got to go. We've got to be willing to linger in God's presence, to linger in his presence. It's huge. That's one of the reasons why when I heard Pastor Robbie Gallaty ask this question about a year and a half ago, it was an absolute uh, bomb in my heart. He said, when was the last time you had an unhurried, 
uninterrupted time with God. So you've got to be willing to linger because God's presence is timeless. I'll tell you, one of the biggest turning points in my Christian life was when I realized that prayer was not primarily a task to do, but it was a time to be with God. Right? I mean, the, the majority of my Christian life, I had my prayer list, and I would go to the Lord in prayer, and I'd say, boom, 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 boom. I'm bringing you all these things, God. I'm praying for all these things. Boom, 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 boom. Well, I'm done with that. I'm out of here. Now it's on to the next thing. When I finally, when God, when God just grabbed me by the collar and just shook me a little bit and said, listen, prayer is primarily a time to be with me, not a task to do for me. Massive game changer. Massive game changer for me. That, that's, that's just in terms of our life here, but what about hereafter? Look, one of the things that people are saying when they're leaving Asbury is, I felt like I got a taste of heaven. I just, I, I just got a taste of heaven. Why? You're in God's presence. Heaven is God's presence. Heaven is not unlimited golf rounds. He heaven is not, uh, you know, um, just eternity at the beach. Heaven is the presence of Almighty God. And when you get just a taste of that, I'll tell you, probably more than any time in my entire life, when we left that auditorium, I was ready to go to heaven. If, if this is what it's like, Lord, let's go. His presence. But it's timeless. You know, we, people say, well, if heaven's just one long church service, man, that sounds pretty dull. They, they totally missed the point. And, of course, I love the sentiment of the song Amazing Grace, but listen to the verse that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, you know, listen, there's no sense of 10,000 years in heaven. That's just, that, that's just some, somebody's way of trying to describe it. God's presence is timeless. But here's the last thing. The last takeaway is this. Watch this. The little children will experience God's presence most. Now, I don't take it for granted that all of these revivals that are taking place across our nation are taking place among students. Students, college students. And, and I'm, not, I'm not taking for granted that these, that these revivals are spreading specifically on campuses not primarily in churches, but on campuses that are filled with students. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. Look at this. The disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm not equating college students with, with small children, but I'll tell you, students, unlike a lot of us old folks, students still have an amazing capacity to believe and respond in such a way that they don't care what anyone else thinks. They're just going all in for Jesus. They even had a section. The, the middle section of that auditorium, probably 20 rows back, was reserved only for college students. Because after all, this was their revival. And I say that in the best way possible. It was their revival. It was, it, it, God showed up in their midst. And so they said, we're going to leave this section for students. And it absolutely warmed my heart. I wasn't just looking around. I was too busy worshiping. But occasionally, I would look over and I would see those students worshiping. And it absolutely warmed my heart. When I was down on that prayer bench, there was a young man who probably wasn't more than 19 years of age. 
he, 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 he laid a trembling hand on my shoulder and he prayed that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, praise God, do it, Lord. And he just, he, he was trembling I, out of fear or what, I don't know, but he so genuine, right? Now, just keep in mind, Jesus is talking figuratively, not literally. There's no way that you're going to turn back the hands of time and become a small child again, okay, physically. But you can spiritually. And I want to ask you a question. In, in desperation for more of God, what's your capacity to respond to him in such a way that you couldn't care less what anyone else thinks? We're so uptight. We're so spiritually constipated, y'all. Man, we, we, just, we, we, have, we, we have allowed different things to keep us from simply saying, Jesus, I'm going all in for you. I can tell you this, folks, and this is just one man's opinion, but until you reach that level of, of desperation for God, even as a child, you'll never, you'll never see what, what we saw at Asbury. You'll never see it. So I'm asking you today, do you want more of God in your life? We've got some thinking and praying to do, don't we? We've got some worshiping to do. You know, as I said, we've, we've, we've kind of switched things around, and we're going to enter into a season of worship in just a moment. But I'm going to ask that this TV be removed from the stage, and this, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come out and join me on this stage. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to have a season of worship. I've asked the worship team to just lead us into worship. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Just worship God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You, if, if you want to stand up where you're at, stand up. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you want to stay seated and worship God that way, stay seated and worship God that way. If you want to come and, and get on your knees in a, in, a, in a posture of humility on one of these prayer benches and just worship God in that way, go for it, right? We're, just, we're here simply to worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Prayer partners, join me on the platform, and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to do business with us as we do business with him. And this is the question you need to ask yourself as we pray and as we worship in just a few moments. God, am I desperate for you? God, am I truly hungry for you? God, do I want you more than anything else in this whole world? I haven't been able to physically travel to Asbury, but what I've heard today has been stirring my heart, and you've been speaking to me. And certainly you are not limited to some geographical place on a campus somewhere, God. You, you show up wherever your people are desperate for you. But I pray, Lord, that, that as, we, as we enter into this season of worship, as we enter into this season of magnifying Jesus, I pray that we would be reminded that, that worship and that experience we have in your presence, we get out of it what we bring to it. And if we, if we come today hungry to know you and desperate to know you better, we're going to walk out of here filled with the joy of the Lord and a profound sense of your presence. But Lord, if we've showed up today and we haven't prayed up, we haven't prepared our hearts in any way, we're just, we feel like we've done you a wild favor just by showing up to church. We will probably leave here unfilled and probably complaining about the things we didn't like rather than saying, praise God, the presence of God was in our church. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would do a work in our hearts. You've certainly done one in mine. But I pray, God, that you would do a work in the hearts of our people and bring us to a place, God. Help us to realize this stuff doesn't just happen. You just don't show up. You can if you want to, but, I mean, Lord, so many times we've seen that you show up in the lives of people who are desperate for you, 
who have paid the price in prayer and worship you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, put your hand upon us today and leave it there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.